Imagine if you had to physically fight someone to save your job. Perhaps the department or the office is going through some changes, your work has been slacking, and the only way to prevent your quick exit is to throw down with Dan, the guy who sits next to you. Well, when you're a professional fighter who's lost a few fights in a row, you can be sure the heat is on to get a win in your next one, or whatever promotion you are in might be handing you your walking papers. And it's no different when it comes to your workmate Dan. Yeah, I'm sure you rearrange his facial structure, but talk about a lot of pressure going into a fight, as if you didn't already have to worry about your redundancy packages, updating your resume, and what two months of sitting on a sofa blankly staring at your TV watching Pride reruns looks like. I'm Bailey in from MMA On Point, and this is 10 Fighters Who Fought to Save Their Career. Number 10, Jim Miller. Our very own Clint Eastwood of the UFC, Jim Miller, has been sticking it to the 155-pound roster for the better part of 13 years. Now, he's not a cowboy, but he's pretty much thrown down with everyone who's ever been through the division, and like a fine whiskey or the film career of Mr. Eastwood, he refuses to go anywhere anytime soon. We all have tough years in life, so it's honestly not surprising to have one when you're a UFC fighter, especially if you've been one for as long as Jim. Well, 2017 was that year for Miller. In February, he had a tough ask in Dustin Poirier at 208. It was a fight of the night and a leg-kick war. In fact, Dustin all almost looked like he couldn't go on, but Jim lost the decision. Then in July, he fought the former champ Pettis and lost another decision, and then in October, went to Brazil to fight Francisco Trinaldo and lost again. And unfortunately, it didn't stop there either. In April of the next year, he took on the rising Dan Hooker, who popped him with a legendary knee in the first round, making it four losses in a row for Jim Miller. For most fighters, three losses in the UFC is dangerous territory. Pretty sure the matchmakers put a big red circle around your name. Jim was, of course, a legend, but he was also struggling with Lyme disease, and five was the kind of losing streak that could end his career or see him leave the promotion. Also, his next contest would be his 30th fight in the UFC, just to add a little more pressure, and he was matched up with Alex White at UFC 228. But inside the first minute, Jim cracked Alex with a big left hand, swarmed on him, and sunk in a rear naked choke for the win. John Alec was right when he said Miller had effectively turned back the clock in that moment, and he's still handing out L's in the UFC today. Number nine, Bobby Green. Look, another UFC vet on this list has been having success recently, damn near 10 years into their UFC career. And no, this isn't actually as common as you think. Kind of the theme of this list, most UFC fighters along the way drop a few losses and are either cut or just aren't able to recover. And the King Bobby Green is another man who's an exception. At one time, Bobby hadn't picked up a win in almost four years. His first loss in the UFC came against Edson Barbosa in November 2014, but he did take him the distance, which not many people had done so far in his career. And then he got injured and scheduled bouts with Jorge Mas and Ally Quinta were scrapped and he didn't fight until 2016, where he had a slugfest with Dustin Poirier at UFC 199 and got KO'd in the first round. Then he was matched up with Rashid Magomedov at fight night in April 2017 and lost a split decision. So that was three losses in a row for Bobby. He'd also shown he couldn't really get past the higher levels of the division like Poirier or the up-and-comers like Rashid. And to make things worse, his next fight with Lando Venata would be the last fight on his contract. A loss would make it four in a row, but luckily well, the two men put on one of the craziest and high-paced fights you will ever see at UFC 216, and it easily won fight of the night. It ended in a draw, but it was enough for Bobby to re-sign with a new contract, and in his next fight, he got his first win in four years against Eric Koch. And we all know the story from there. He's still in the UFC, and he's still doing the damn thing against some of the best in the world. Number 8. Mark Hunt 
Few things are more satisfying than witnessing a Mark Hunt KO, followed by his signature walk-off, essentially just stiffing the referee of his paycheck that night. Before he was competing in MMA, he was doing this in kickboxing and even won a K1 Grand Prix Championship, which is pretty much the hardest thing a human can do inside of a kickboxing ring. After that, he joined the Japanese MMA circuit in Pride and went 5-1 and one in just two years, even beating Mirko Krokop and Vandalay Silva. But he started fighting the heavyweight elites, was submitted by Josh Barnett, submitted by Fedor, submitted by Alistair Overeem. Don't you just hate it when people spam the same fucking move? Anyway, things were not looking good for Mark. And then he got KO'd by Melvin Manhoof, who, although I'm pretty sure could knock out a camel if it stood still in front of him, it wasn't a great look as a kickboxer himself. And then Gegard Mousasi just armbarred him in one minute in the Dream Super Hulk Grand Prix. So at this point, Mark was on a five-fight losing streak, and when the UFC came along to buy Pride and also his contract, they just wanted to let him go and pay the rest of it off. But yeah, Mark wanted to stay and fight. So he was given Sean McCorkle at UFC 199, where he desperately needed a win. But if you can believe it, he was armbarred again in just one minute. Damn, that shit hurts. Safe to say Mark was already lucky to have a job. It was 2011 and he hadn't won a fight since 2006, which at this point was basically a completely different era of MMA. His K1 title was 2001. Most just believed the sport had moved on and he couldn't compete anymore. The UFC sent him to Sydney to compete on his continental soil and it was basically make or break for Mark. He put it on Chris Teixeira in the first round and stalked him around the cage, but in the last few minutes he was taken down and yeah, it really looked like he was about to just get submitted again, but Mark didn't quit, made it to the second round where he found a home for his uppercut and he got the walk-off KO he'd been looking for for about mm, five years. Mark stayed in the UFC and fought his way all the way to an interim title. Career saved, yo. Number seven, Tisha Torres. If you ask me, it's surprising that Tisha Torres didn't become more of a UFC star. She has a beautiful, dynamic striking game, and when she was on The Ultimate Fighter, she had one of the best records of any of the women on there, 4-0, which also included two wins over people already in the house. But ultimately, she didn't win the show, and one defeat bounced into another and another like a fool of a toque touching things he shouldn't in a dark dungeon. But even after three years in the UFC, she was 10-1, and with her only loss coming to Rose Namajunas. I mean, after she beat Michelle Waterson at UFC 218, she was pretty much knocking on the door of title contention. But then it all just kind of melted. In February of 2018, she was matched up against Jessica Andrade, who already had fought for a belt. If she could just get past her, title contention was right on the doorstep. But despite it being a great fight, Jessica got the nod from the judges. Then in July, five months later, she fought the former champion, Yuana, another chance to move up the division, but once again, she came up short. And Zhang Wei Li in 2019 was a chance at redemption, but Torres lost again by decision, and it seemed like she was now the stepping stone for contenders coming up the division. And things didn't really get any better in her fight a few months after against Marina Rodriguez, another contender on the rise who took another decision win from Tisha. Torres had gone from 10-1 to 10-5 over the course of three years. She'd been given a shot of contention and couldn't make it and had been demoted to divisional journeywoman in the process. She confessed to Danny Segura after this that she wanted to take time off from fighting. She didn't want to train or hear anything about fighting in the UFC. The following year, though, she took another fight against Brianna Van Buren in the Apex. It went all three rounds with Tisha staying ahead and by the third, she was blitzing and throwing her tiny tornado combos like her old self. She got her first win in nearly three years and as of today, is on a three-fight win streak back on her way to title contention. Things all went a bit twisted there for a moment, though. Number six, Paul Craig. 
The UFC already know there aren't many sights as fearsome as an angry Scottish man painted up in woad, so when a giant 205er named Paul Craig became the champion over at UK regional promotion Bama, of course they signed him up. That and because they'd heard a few other rumours about him as well. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. But after picking up his first win against Henrique de Silva and quitting his job as a teacher, Craig would get finished twice in the first round against Tyson Pedro and Khalil Roundtree. Paul knew that a loss in his next fight would make it three in a row, and that would pretty much be the end of his UFC career. It was also the last fight on his contract, and knowing that he wouldn't get a phone call come Monday about a new one if he didn't win, he told himself this next fight would be for his entire career. So what did the UFC do? Well, they gave him Magomed Ankalaev, one of the scariest prospects in the division. And he certainly was getting the best of Paul throughout the fight, but Craig didn't quit and hung in there till the very last second. No, seriously, like the last second, because with one second left to win the fight, say his career, save himself from retirement like a warrior poet he slapped on a triangle and he got the tap. Craig won himself $50,000, got a phone call Monday to sign a new UFC contract and is currently on a five-fight unbeaten streak in the division. Number 5. Tai Tuivasa Bam Bam is the kind of bloke you want as a roommate. Throw the footy around, down a few stubbies, and then watch him KO someone on TV and drink out of his shoe. It's, it's just something you've got to do for the community, mate. He was undefeated when he got into the UFC, and after three wins, he was 9-0. He even got past the Andre Arlovsky Rorschach test that everyone seems to fail these days. Then, in December 2018, the UFC gave him his own main event spot in Australia in what was supposed to be a big homecoming piss-up, but Junior DeSantos TKO'd him in the second round and put a halt to his hype train. Six months later, he was back in the US to fight Blagoy even off at UFC 238. Another showcasing spot, especially since he'd just lost. I guess the matchmakers just couldn't get Bam Bam out of their heads. No? Okay, that was an old Kylie Minogue joke. Anyway, unfortunately, the fight would go the distance and Ivanov would get the nod. So they took Ty back to Australia at 243, hoping to capitalize once again on his home crowd, but he was matched up with Sergei Spivak, who took him down six times until he submitted him on the ground. And not that any of his losses were pretty, but this one was particularly ugly and showed the holes in Ty's game, which left a lot of doubt about his potential in the matchmakers' minds. Ty would have to wait a full year before a combat fight, however, and he was matched up with Stefan Struve at UFC 254. A loss here would have been four in a row for Ty, and if he couldn't beat Struve, well, there was no doubt he probably would have been ejected from the roster. Stefan was coming off a loss himself and was basically at the end of his career. In fact, he retired after this fight. Ty stay composed, pushed forward the whole fight, and KO'd him with one second left in the first round. That set up his current five-fight win streak, completely flipping his career around. Now take off your shoe and chug a coldie, fight fans. Number 4. Andre Arlovsky I know Andre Arlovsky loves pit bulls, but if you ask me, he's more like Sabretooth from X-Men. You know the guy that seemed to get beaten up every week, yet still somehow came back almost fully restored to put a beating on another generation of talent. It's not even pretty remarkable how much this man has bounced back in his career. It's fucking incredible. I can't think of many other fighters that have turned losing streaks into wins like this man has. After he left the UFC in 2008, he ended up on shows Affliction, where he had the biggest fight of his career against Fedor Emelianenko for the WA MMA Heavyweight Championship, and was KO'd in the first round. And if that didn't turn fans off, he went to Strike Force to fight the basically unknown Brett Rogers and was KO'd again, this time in 20 seconds. Then he lost a decision to Bigfoot Silva before taking on Sergei Karatonov and got absolutely flatlined once again in the first round. This was the point most fans wrote off Andre and his career, and his chin as well, actually, simply just believing he couldn't take a punch anymore. He was even dropped from Strike Force and had to fight in Pro Elite, where he desperately 
really needed a win just to keep himself employed. What people did not expect was that he'd win 10 out of his next 11 fights, eventually being signed to the World Series of Fighting and then the UFC. I can even remember Luke Thomas being shocked at the signing of Pitbull, wondering why would they even waste their time. But he beat Brendan Schaub, Bigfoot in a rematch, Travis Brown, and Frank Mir. Heck, he even fought Stipe Miocic in a title eliminate about, so he was this close to getting another UFC title. Then he lost another five in a row, but once again saved himself with a win over Junior Albini, and now combined has managed to stay in the UFC for 16 years. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Number three, Charles Oliveira. You know how long Oliveira's been in the UFC? If I told you he made his debut on the television network Versus, yeah, I doubt many of you would remember that. For the next five years, he won, he lost, he either got a performance of the night or he missed weight. There was pretty much something every other fight. Then he met Max Holloway in 2015 in a fight he never really seemed to be in, and after just two minutes was TKO'd via some strange esophagus injury he suffered. Then in his next fight, he missed weight by nearly five whole pounds, although apparently there was something wrong with the scale. And yeah, he did get a win, but it wasn't a good look, and the third time he'd missed weight in the UFC. He then greeted Anthony Pettis to 145, but was submitted in the third round. I mean, Showtime was good subs, but it was a little surprising to see. And to make things worse, in his next fight against Ricardo Lamas, he missed weight again, this time by a staggering 10 pounds. He even brought out the towel, not really sure why. And once again, he was submitted, this time in the second round. Things were not looking good for Oliveira. He beat Will Brooks, the ex-Bellator champion, but he was already coming off of a loss. And then in his next matchup against Paul Felder, he got absolutely smashed by elbows as he sort of half quit before being TKO'd. It looked like his career was about to go all the way down. The UFC booked him at 225 against Clay Guida, and a loss would have seen him go 2-5, and five, and along with those questionable performances against Max and Felder, the multiple weight misses, it wasn't looking good. But Oliveira did what he does best, came out, showed off some of his new striking, looking like a threat on the feet, forcing a shot, and sub Guida in the first round. Charlie Olives was back, baby, and he went undefeated for his next 10 fights all the way to a UFC title. He didn't just save his career, he damn near started a new one. Number 2. Brandon Moreno Imagine if the world never got the gift that was Brandon Moreno, the Mexican McLovin. Imagine if he never made it back into the UFC and the wholesome Lego building first ever Mexican-born champion never captured gold. Wouldn't we all just be a little bit sadder inside? I love you, bro. Moreno came into the UFC as a young, scrappy underdog. He picked up three early wins, but ran into the brother of Anthony Pettis, Sergio, in Mexico City and lost a decision. And in the following year, took on Alexandra Pantoja in Chile, but lost once again. Seemed like the UFC were keen to get some Latin American talent in the UFC, but every time they took him down there, he unfortunately lost so in late 2018 they cut him from the promotion, telling him the division was simply full. He took it pretty heavily and combined with his financial and personal problems at the time, he told media he felt like a complete loser. Over a year later, he signed with LFA and fought Maquiel Perez for their flyweight championship, a fight that would pretty much define the rest of his career. Late into the fourth round, Moreno overwhelmed Perez and got a TKO win. Then, just six months later, he received a call from the UFC offering him a fight back in the promotion. Ocean, and he started an unbeaten streak that took him all the way to win a UFC world title. Number 1. Jan Blakowicz Poland is full of legends, and I'm not talking about the white-haired monster slayers or demonic horse riders, but former UFC champion Jan Blakowicz, who made a name for himself in the wildly popular Polish MMA organization KSW. After a good UFC debut, they sent Jan home to Poland, and he'd come up short against Jimmy Manua. Then he dropped another decision to Corey Anderson in a fight where he was controlled in the ground for 10 minutes, and he started to look like another European fighter that was good for a few regional shows, but just couldn't hang with the best in the UFC. Things got a bit better when he was booked to fight in Croatia against Igor Prokry, 
Nayach, but the man hadn't won a UFC fight in four years, so his decision win over him really meant nothing to the matchmakers. Another EU card in Germany and another decision lost to Alexander Gustafsson immediately put him back in the career danger zone, and then just five months after that at UFC 210, he dropped another decision to Patrick Cummins, where he was again controlled on the ground by a wrestler. It wasn't looking good for Yan. He was 1-4, his only win being over a guy who literally was not UFC caliber, and he'd failed every other test the UFC had given him. To make things worse, all five fights went to decision, which at light heavyweight is definitely not what the UFC are looking for. Still, he had one more chance as UFC sent him back to Poland for Cowboy vs. Till, where he's booked on the main card against Devin Clark, a prospect on a two-fight win streak. He showed improvements in his grappling game, controlling Devin, and even better snuck in a standing rear naked choke for his first finish in three years. Oh, and they slapped him with the performance of the night bonus as well. It actually coincided with him touching his lucky rope he found from a suicide victim, and he carried it with him ever since. Over the next five years, Yan went 9-1, winning a UFC title in the process, going from complete journeyman to a European MMA legend. Big shout out and thank you to Max Randall for editing this video. You can follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMA on Point and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further. And I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one.